Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hello, welcome to episode 200. Woo! Woo (laughs) 200. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine for me that um, with everything going on, we've, we've hit episode 200. It seems like quite the journey. It's exciting, though. We love doing this, and we thank you so much for listening every week. And also thank you to our awesome sponsors, all of our Patreon members. Jennifer, Jack, Teresa, Alicia, Sherry. Michelle, Katie, Savannah, Beth, Claire, Adriana, Becky, Bad to the Bone, Laura, and Laura. Thank you guys so much for helping support the show, produce the show, giving us great ideas and feedback. We we love you and we thank you for listening and supporting. And special shout out to Jennifer for supporting us for one year by now. And we are so appreciative for all of you who support and listen in every way that you do. We also want to thank today's sponsor, Courtney Siegel with Palmetto Scoopers. So this is a Q&A episode. We ask for your questions and we are going to give some hopefully helpful answers. There, there will be words <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> used. <laughs> so the first question comes from Teresa, one of our Patreon members. She said, how do you deal with client dogs coming into your home and they smell the scents of other dogs? So we do board in our home on a pretty regular basis, and we generally have not had an issue with dogs coming in and smelling the scents of other dogs in the sense of them being nervous or being scared or freaking out. We have a pretty extensive cleaning routine that undergoes multiple times a day uh, with neutralizing and deodorizing odors versus just covering them up. However, we do deal with markers from time to time. And we've noticed after the first little while that they'll quickly stop after it kind of gets old and we clean up immediately behind them. However, for persistent markers, we default to belly bands and the dog will be in a belly band for their time with us. And we've actually also turned away dogs who are persistent markers um, or who mark continuously during the meet and greet. Well, and we've also had one particular dog that the belly band would not stay on him. He would just keep taking it off. And we had to say, no, like we we can't do this. (laughs) We need to maintain our home in a clean state. But it also helps that we don't have carpet downstairs. We do have some rugs that we clean regularly, but we don't have carpet. We just have hardwood. The next question is also from one of our Patreon members, Sherry. When you first thought of starting a podcast, did you ever imagine you would have such a profound effect on all the people you supported through a pandemic? Your constant support truly made it bearable. We are not alone. Thank you. Well, first off, Sherry, thank you. Uh, We're so happy that this podcast has been helpful. And honestly, never in our wildest dreams did we ever imagine the connection that we'd have with our listeners. I, I mean, COVID was rough. Uh, and it's still playing a major role in life and business across the globe. Uh, this podcast has been a way to connect and stay grounded for us, too. Yeah, we started this before the pandemic, but we wanted to make sure that no one feels alone. This industry can really feel isolating when you're just around pets all day and you're texting and dealing with clients that might be a little cranky or dealing with potential clients who are asking you a bunch of questions. And so it can really 
you know, we're not a people industry, we're a pet industry. So it can feel isolating. If you're going through something, there is someone else that has gone through it or is currently going through it. And that's why we want to interview as many people as possible to get everyone's stories, to get everyone's lessons that they've learned through the tough times in their business. Because if you're having a tough time in your business, I'm sure that they also have. So we want to connect people. We want to elevate the industry so that everyone can be better and awesome. So even if it's not exactly the same, we are all cheering you on and want you to be successful. COVID really just highlighted how connected we all are anyway. We were all going through the same thing. All The bottom of all of our business dropped out. And so we are beyond blessed to get to share other stories. And I think another part of this aspect too is Megan and I are just pet sitters. We have been in business for going on 10 years, but we don't have all this figured out. And I think that's part of the fun of doing this as well, as we are learning, we are growing as we get connected as well. And so it really shocked us whenever we got the response and continue to get the response that we do because we're not coaches. We're just Joe and Jane Schmo. Joe Schmo and Jane Schmo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just something that we really enjoy doing and are so beyond thankful for the reception that it's received that's gotten that leads us into our third question from rebecca she said i have had my pet sitting dog walking house sitting business for over five years i just got engaged and my fiance and i are going to make the business a partnership and add boarding as a service once we buy a house since i've been doing this longer i have more industry experience and i have every single process down pat He, the the fiancé, is excellent with the animals and knows a lot since he's been doing jobs with me for a few years, but he is only just starting to do jobs on his own and hasn't made any big mistakes yet, but there are little things that he misses. I'm wondering if you and Colin have any tips on how a couple that works together can talk to each other about mistakes made on the job without hurt feelings and causing fights. Well, yes. unfortunately, Rebecca, we aren't able to answer this because we've never had a fight in the 10 years that we've met. Actually, no, that's not true. Uh, if it's a day that ends in Y, we are probably having a disagreement about, some, <laughs> about something. Yes. We are very different personalities. Uh, and that, that speaks to a lot of strengths and weaknesses that we're able to cover with each other. Uh, but this is something that we have been working on for the last however many years we've been married, going on 10 years soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually uncovered some receipts from uh, a counseling service that we went through when we were first married because we had no clue what we were doing. So some of these takeaways and things that we've been implementing uh, are things that we learned there. And we're trying our best to continue to, to implement them and make them work for us. Yeah, a very real example of that is how we send updates to clients. I have a very specific formula of how I like to use the photos and the words that we use to send the updates. And you have a very different process for that. Don't tend to follow that all of the time. Uh, but you will let me know about it, which has led some to some arguments between us. Um, because early on, I really felt like Megan was being overbearing and that this whole thing about concerns about photos wasn't that important. And I think, Megan, you felt like I just wasn't taking it seriously when it when it was really important to you. Well, I know what I would want, and I know I'm not every dog mom, dog parent ever, <laughs> but I know what I would want if our dog, Kobe, were to be staying at someone else's house or someone were to be dropping in on Kobe at our house. I would want quality photos. I would want... 
him having fun, looking like he's happy, different scenarios, different situations. And so I kind of bring what I would want into, I put myself in the shoes of the client and what they would want. And I know everybody's different and obviously... I'm very different. Yes. <laughs> so, so a few things here. Uh, this is just, that's an example that that we work through. But a few things here is decide on what the business relationship is going to be. Is it fifty fifty? Is it a partnership? Is it a boss employee? Is it somewhere in between? For us, we're equal partners in the business, so that plays a role in how we handle these kind of discussions. But when there is an argument or disagreement, there are two very important things that you have got to remember. The first one is that trust that the other person has the best interests at heart. Part of this is also trusting that you are free to say and express however you feel, and the other person will be receptive to it. Now, this part can take some time building up to and does wax and wane with tempers and emotions and time. Plus, it's easy to lose in a relationship, and you may no longer that you feel like you have a safe space to express yourself. And then the second one is to listen to the words that the person is saying, not the emotions that you feel from them. And an easy way to do this is to repeat back to the other person what you heard and your interpretation of it. What you're trying to avoid in this process is anything unspoken or any assumptions that the one person is making. Because when we put the assumptions out into the open, we're able to clear them and we're able to work through them as opposed to leaving them unspoken. Here's a really simple formula that we sometimes work through. And honestly, it kind of sounds phony when you start it out, but it's really helped us a lot. So I would say, Colin, I noticed on the update to Stephanie that you didn't send the kind of photos we agreed on. So right now I have a choice at this exact moment. Do I take this as a personal attack against me and get really ticked off at Megan for my perception of her micromanaging me and get hurt because I don't think that she trusts me? Or do I trust that she has my and the business's best interests at heart? So we'll go with the second and I'll say something like, I hear you saying that I didn't follow the procedures for photos and I know you want the best photos for the client. I was busy cleaning up a mess and sent the photos I had before I ran out of time. So then I would say, I understand. I hear you saying it got busy and you wanted to clean the mess for the client. I appreciate you telling me that. Maybe next time, get the photos before you clean it up. And I would say, I know that the photos are really important to you and I will do my best. And because we are married, we're in business together, I know that Colin does always try his best. And as long as I communicate what my expectations are, he knows what I want and he will do the best to honor that. Yeah, you can't have enough open communication from both sides about what your expectations are for what a visit will look like in the procedures and what his expectations are for how he's going to execute those and work together to build something that's going to work for both of you. Another key component of these kind of conversations is to make sure that you have these discussions during business hours and to set time aside for them. And don't try to have them while you're busy doing other things or over dinner or over something else. Having these clearly defined boundaries between when you're wearing your business hats and where you're wearing your partner hats and trying to keep those boundaries as clear as possible so that these aren't bleeding over and you're able to take one off and move right into the next one. We are definitely a work in progress on that one. Ooh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this is such a great question and I really appreciate you asking it. There's a lot that goes into having healthy discussions or an argument as a couple in a business, like how, like just how understanding how you argue, do you need space to walk away to think? And if someone misinterprets that, so many things can spiral out of that. So write rules for arguments, write rules for discussions and set those times up aside so that they can be productive and you aren't feeling like you are having to attack one another or you're having to overcome some insecurities that you have when during those times. 
Our next question is advice on being an IC and switching to LLC or something similar. Well, technically, if you are an IC, an independent contractor, you already are independent and running your own business. So if your employer has you classified as an IC and you haven't been paying taxes or insurance, that's something to get started with right away. So a limited liability company, an LLC, is a legal status granted to businesses. And this designation can relieve the business owners of personal responsibility for the company's debts or liabilities, and it really establishes the business as its own legal entity. It protects your personal assets. We set up our LLC by going to LegalZoom and having them send us all the documents and filing it that way. It didn't cost a whole lot. It's a one-time thing that you get taken care of. Now, if you're running a business in the U.S. at least, you're automatically a sole proprietor. You can file to become an LLC, which again was what we did with LegalZoom. And you do that through the, with the federal government. And all this really means is, is that instead of using your social security number to file taxes with your business, you'll get a business-specific ID number. And from there, you can set up a separate bank account for the business. That's very important. You need to keep your business expenses separate from your personal expenses. You need to also get insurance, get a business license if that's required where you live. Every state is different. Every country is different. Every county and city are also different, I might add. (laughs) Yeah, so check into all of those. And then we would recommend getting a website as well, just so people can go there, know exactly who you are, what services you offer, your prices, all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Squarespace or Wix are great ways to start and build them yourself so that you can maintain them and at least get them out there and start getting traffic sent your way. The next couple of questions are about communication. And the first one is, how do you deal with unruly clients? So we weren't really sure what unruly meant. Does that mean rude or late or last minute bookings or late payments or were they just mean to you or your staff? So we don't really know how to answer this very well, but document everything. Make sure that if you have a software, everything is in your software. All communication is in your software. Pictures, updates, any kind of communication, vaccine records, any, any of that. Make sure you have reasons also for termination in your contract. If they don't abide by anything in there and they've already signed it, you can just say, Due to the continued conduct that goes against the client expectations in our contract, we will be halting services effective immediately. So again, if you don't have a contract, if you don't have reasons for termination of services outlined of why you would terminate services for a client, get those in there in writing and have people start signing those today. It's going to protect you for when these kind of instances come up, when someone is unruly, whenever they aren't treating you well, when they're disrespecting you or your staff and they're disrespecting your time and boundaries, you have reasons. You can get a very simple line in there and send it to them. And then that's that. Well, and if they aren't respecting your boundaries, you don't really want them as a client anyway, so we would recommend letting them go. And we actually do have an episode on that, episode 175, Breaking Up with a Client. Our next question is, how do, how do you professionally communicate with a clueless, ditzy, or not-so-smart client? Well, I would ask, are they actually clueless, or are they playing you? Again, as Megan mentioned earlier, document everything and set clear expectations in your contract, especially around things like payment, safety, and cancellation policies. Now, only you know what your tolerance level for this is. We have a very low tolerance for clueless or ditzy clients because they waste our time or they put us in binds because they, quote, didn't know they couldn't just drop off their dog that day whenever they're leaving for two weeks. 
And so we're trying to avoid the extra work of sending them reminders of service, like a text, see you tomorrow at seven, and then the day of saying, see you today at seven. At that point, you're only feeding into it. Have your policies of operation and stick to them and treat them the same as every other client. Along with communication, we got a question in, how do you communicate to clients that it's time for them to pay more? Raising rates? Hey, this sounds familiar. Yes, <laughs> we just did this last week. Raising rates is always scary. It really is. We just did it. It included a video on our Facebook page, social media posts, and our weekly newsletter. It said, we are so thankful for your continued support and trust you've placed in us to care for your pets. Effective September 1st, all new service requests will be at the new prices listed below. And we said this is for all clients. We're not grandfathering anybody in. And Really, it's very important to be very clear on what services are increasing in price. If all of them, then you need to outline all of them and exactly by how much and when they go into effect. It's important to think about if you grandfather anybody in. We have done that in the past. We chose not to do that this time because, <laughs> frankly, our client base is so large that if we grandfathered everybody in, there would be, be no, nobody but paying the new price. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are getting new clients in, but it's it's just we have such a large client base that it, there would be really no point because we'd just still be going at the same rates we are now. So that's something you have to consider. Will you raise some people but not others? Ultimately, though, stick to the facts. Probably you're going to lose some people. I feel like we already lost at least one person because we raised our rates and that, that might happen, but you have to realize that you're going to be working less for more money. Some people may not agree with your new prices and then that's just the reality of the situation. When McDonald's goes from a $2 Big Mac to a $3 Big Mac, not everybody buys it. Don't try and get into the weeds on why you are increasing your prices. And yes, you will have to send this information out a lot if you choose to. Some people choose not to announce the price increases ahead of time. It's just whenever they come back to book, there's a new rate. And I think they get this from a lot of times in retail or in other service-based industries. There's not a big social media push to announce a price hike or a price increase. It just happens whenever somebody needs you. So if that's the way you want to go, you can totally do that. But if you have a lot of regulars or a lot of people who continuously use you day after day or week after week, it may be okay or you may feel like you would like to announce that ahead of time just so that they're in the, in the know. And you could start by posting about all the training and experience and expertise you have for the weeks leading up to the price hike, just to remind your clients how truly awesome you are, although they know that already. And we do have a whole conversation about prices in episode 167, so you can go listen to that as well. So this question is specifically about the podcast. What was your favorite past interview and who would you love to follow up with an interview again? Uh, yeah, well, there's so many. Uh, we have done quite a lot. Uh, but I think a very recent one that we did was on the roundtable of the future of pet care. It was very refreshing to sit down with Dan, Doug, and Natasha and kind of look ahead to the next 20 years in the pet care industry and the space and figure out what we can be doing right now to have our businesses set up in such a way to be adapting to the changing clients and the changing market and a lot of the uh, tailwinds and headwinds that we have facing the industry. I, I really, really enjoy that. And we hope to be doing more episodes like that in the future. As far as following up other episode, other interviews, uh, I'm going to say everyone, uh, just because some of them we interviewed almost two years ago now at this point. 
and uh, I just want to get caught up and see how they've all changed and the things that they've experienced and more lessons that they've learned. So we are working on that. It's just really hard because there are so many of you amazing people out there that we want to connect with and have on the show that it's hard to get it all juggled and scheduled out. I too really enjoyed the roundtable and I'm very much looking forward to us doing more of those. So I don't know if I could pick a favorite, but I think that I really enjoy when we are able to connect pieces of the puzzle within the pet care industry. And I really loved it when we did episode 122, Selling Your Business with Becky Eberly. So she had great advice about how to sell, what worked for her, and lessons that she learned through the process. And so not only did we get to interview her about selling her business, but we got to interview the person who bought her business. That was episode 180 with Having What It Takes with JP Annunciacion. That was so cool. I loved the connection there between her selling and him buying, and we were able to hear both of their stories. And speaking of people who we've previously interviewed, our sponsor today is Courtney Siegel with Palmetto Scoopers. 2020 showed us the importance of having a diversified business. As we take on new clients, there are many opportunities to add services and value packages for our clients. Courtney, owner of Palmetto Scoopers, wants to help you be number one with your clients number two. Courtney is passionate about helping others excel with a poop scooping service. What tools and trainings do you need? What do you do with all of that poop? There's a link in our show notes for you to check out and learn more about getting started in the pet waste removal business and let Courtney get you started on the right foot. Our last question today is, is it possible to work as a pet caretaker seven days a week and sustain a healthy, balanced life overall? Or rather, is it feasible for pet caretakers to have one day of the week where they do not work at all while still maintaining a successful business? The answer is yes. (laughs) Why not two days off? We know several walkers who work Monday through Friday only. You can also choose to work seven days a week. A lot of people do that as well. But what do those days look like? Are they all 18-hour days? If so, you are likely headed for burnout. Nobody can do that all the time. (laughs) You can work seven days a week, but every third week, take four days off or whatever you want. You can set up your business however you want. But it's, I don't think it's possible to sustain a healthy, balanced lifestyle working seven days a week, 365 days a year. You have got to take off time to yourself. And I am preaching to the choir here because I don't like doing that, but it is necessary. Yeah. What's important is that you get to set your schedule and then you communicate it with your clients. And then this is the really hard part. You have to stick to it. Because Because inevitably, people are going to want to book you on your days off. Every single time. Literally, you will mark off the seventh on the calendar and you'll say, great, that's my day off. You will get a phone call. You will get a text or an email the next second saying, hey, I need you to walk my dog on the 7th of August or whatever. And what are you going to do? Well, you, you have to tell that person no. Or maybe if you want to elaborate more, you can say, you know, thank you for your interest in our services. We aren't booking any walks that day. We'd be happy to help you with pet care needs in the future. I think a, a good way to help you in this is right now it's August. So plan your days off for 2022. Do it right now. And then you can let your clients know now or January 1st, but you need to let them know as soon as possible because they'll plan around it. Yeah, we recently heard of a sitter who takes off the entire month of October just to prepare for the holidays. And we've interviewed another pet sitter who takes February off after the holidays as a vacation to recharge and recover. And all of their clients know that. 
We also know of a local pet sitter near us who pet sits just enough to pay for the vacation that she goes on. And so she kind of comes back, pet sits, and takes a vacation. Pet sits and takes a vacation. And there are dog walkers who don't work weekends, who don't work any federal holidays, who take off two weeks during Christmas and <laughs> New Year's. Yeah. You set up how you're, you're, however you want, whatever yeah. works for you, but just take time off. You have to do it. Yeah. The key here is, is that you do not have to work 365 days a year to be successful in this industry. The, if you believe that, that is a lie. And anybody telling you that does not have their business set up appropriately. It's not even close. You don't have to even work 365. 64 days to be successful. As a matter of fact, doing that is probably the best way to not be successful in the long run because burnout is very, very real. And when we put our business ahead of ourselves and our personal needs, the business will actually fall by the wayside because at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself because that's what you have. And that's what you're pouring into your business. We also got a few specific questions about our background and our history. And we're actually going to do an episode coming up all about us. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) But we thank you so much for your questions. And if you have any more, let us know. We'd be happy to answer them. We will obviously be doing more Q&As in the future. And this is episode 200 of 2000. So, (laughs) (laughs) But don't hold us to that. It may be 2001. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, thank you to our sponsor, Courtney Siegel with Palmetto Scoopers. Thank you to our Patreon supporters, all of you who every month for the price of a cup of coffee, you help make this show possible. And if you want to learn more about supporting the show and everything that goes into it, you can go to petcitterconfessional.com forward slash support. We hope you join us next time. Thanks.